Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jim Morrow. I'm here in the North Fulton Business Radio studio with my cohort, John Ray. He's running the board today. Hey, John. Jim, how are you today? I'm great. I'm Good. Great. I'm excited to straighten out some misinformation that people have about statins today. I'm looking forward looking to that. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So before I do that, last week, episode two was on erectile dysfunction, and I've spoken to a lot of people that listened and gotten comments from a lot of people that listened, and we've actually got some questions that people have sent in about last week's episode, so we're going to get to those questions when I finish telling you about statins today. So before we talk about statins, first we have to talk about high cholesterol. Well, in 2019, what qualifies as high cholesterol? I say 2019 because when I started practicing in 1985, the normal cholesterol was 250 or less. And then we moved it down to 220. Then we moved it down to 200. So we have created an entire population of people that have high cholesterol. Well, this wasn't done just for that purpose. They've done that because they found that these levels at 250, for example, people were still developing unnecessary heart disease and vascular disease. So right now, the definition of high cholesterol is pretty much, and this varies depending on certain circumstances, but you can pretty much say that an LDL or a bad cholesterol level over 130 or an HDL or a good cholesterol level of less than 40 is too high if you do not have a family history of heart disease or if you yourself don't have heart disease. Now, if you do have a family history or if you do have heart disease, then your doc's going to tell you that he wants your LDL or bad cholesterol a lot closer to 75. And I can tell you right now that if you have high cholesterol, you'll never get your LDL to 75 without medication. It will not happen. Now, raising the HDL, the good cholesterol, to get it above 40 is a very difficult thing to do. And these medicines can have a little bit of an impact on that, and exercise certainly does, and better diet certainly does. But changing your HDL, if that's what you've been tasked by your family physician to do, is a very difficult thing to do. So the research about high cholesterol and treating high cholesterol has been done primarily, the, the recommendations we have at least, have been put out primarily by the United States Preventive Services Task Force. And if there are any clinicians listening, they know that the USPSTF, or the task force, if you will, um, has created as much controversy in medicine and in guidelines about treating different conditions as anything ever has. But they recommend that adults without a history of heart disease or vascular disease use what they call a low to moderate dose statin, statin being the meds used for this, for the prevention of cardiovascular events and mortality when all of these criteria are met. So there are several criteria you have to meet. Now, again, back when I started practicing, we used to take the total, total cholesterol divided by the HDL, and if it was over a certain number, then you needed medicine. Well, you just can't do this in your head anymore. You have to have an app for this. The first criteria is the patient is between 40 and 70 years old, 75, excuse me, 40 and 75 years old. 
They also have to have one or more risk factor for heart disease and vascular disease. And those risk factors are high cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, or smoking. And they have to have a calculated 10-year risk of heart event of a heart event of 10% or greater. Well, like I said, you have to have an app for this. There's just no way that you can calculate somebody's 10-year risk in your head. Um, so we do have that, and we run these numbers depending on not only the things I mentioned, but also race and systolic blood pressure and so forth. Uh, and we come up with a risk, and if you're at 10% or greater, then the odds are your doctor's going to recommend that you take a statin of some sort. The task force found good evidence that the risk of statins is small in people in this age range, 40 to 75 years old. So what exactly are statins? What are these drugs that we keep talking about? Statins are prescription medications that lower cholesterol to prevent cardiovascular disease, whether it's heart attack or stroke. And this is the leading cause of death in the United States. These medicines are ones that you've probably heard of. They've been out quite some time. Uh, the first one that came out that I remember, and I think it was the first one, was Mevacor. I don't think anybody writes that anymore. Um, and then medicines like Zocor, Lipitor, Crestor. And these are all long chemical names in the generic form. Lipitor is a Torvastatin. Crestor is Resuvastatin. So you'll find me calling them Lipitor and Crestor because a Torvastatin and Resuvastatin are just take way too long to say. But these, these are medicines that are used for treating this. Now, if you're told you have high cholesterol, the knee-jerk reaction really should not be your cholesterol is high, you have to take this medicine. Because this is news to you. You didn't know you had high cholesterol. If you're like most people, you've not been doing anything to prevent high cholesterol. So I think anyone, almost anyone, is entitled to an, a trial of lifestyle changes. Now, there are probably not any two words you'll ever say that are harder to pull off than lifestyle changes. I mean, that's, that's hard. If you talk, if you're talking smoking or eating or exercising, these are very difficult. But they can make a huge difference. So if you're told you have high cholesterol, hopefully you'll be given an opportunity for about three months to change the things in your lifestyle that you can change. Now, what you don't want to do, you don't want to go from being a normal country boy like myself that loves his fried chicken to being a vegan because you're not going to maintain that probably you want to try the lifestyle changes that you can keep up over the long haul because if anything is a long time long term problem it's high cholesterol so you try these things for a few months and then you repeat the blood work you go back you say okay I've been doing better maybe I've lost a few pounds I've been eating as well as I can let's see what my numbers are and if they are appreciably lower and, back and down into a range where you no longer need medication, then you've really saved yourself an awful lot of trouble in taking medicine that you don't need. So I think anybody's entitled to a trial of that. Statins, however, when necessary, can reduce the risk of stroke and heart attack and even death by 25% or more. So the idea that you can take statins and prevent some of these problems is just tremendous. Now, statins are like every other medicine ever made. They have desired effects and they have side effects. And I really doubt you could Google statin side effects and find any more hits for anything else you would ever Google. Uh, there, there's just 
you couldn't count the number of sites and the number of posts about people taking statins that had side effects. And it is absolutely true that statins can give you side effects. There's no doubt about that. But there are two side effects that we actually see in the practice of medicine every day. And the first one is muscle aches, what we call myalgias. But muscle aches can happen. They can make your muscles hurt. They can make you feel like you have knee pain or thigh pain or back pain or any other kind of pain where there's a muscle. And it really doesn't affect the joint. It affects the muscles around the joint. But this is one of the most commonly reported side effects of statins. I've had patients that said, well, I took the statin and six weeks later I had trouble going upstairs or I had trouble doing this or it hurt when I did that. And if you don't stop the medicine and see if the side effect goes away, you'll never know if the problem is due to the medicine. So I usually tell patients, look, stop the medicine for three weeks. You're not going to alter your cholesterol appreciably and certainly not the effects on your vasculature. But you're not going to alter that in a three-week period. So stop it for three weeks, let it completely wash out of your system, and see if you're having those same symptoms. Well, most of the people that take these medicines are between 40 and 75, like I mentioned earlier. So a lot of them have joint pains. They have body aches. They have issues they deal with every day. So I usually tell patients to make an actual written inventory of what hurts and how much it hurts. Go through, go from head to toe, go down and see what you're feeling and, and what you're having. And I recommend they do this before they start the medicine so they have a before list. And if they feel later on that they're having symptoms, then write them down again as an after list and see how those two compare. And if your two lists are exactly the same, the problem's probably not statins. If it's different, though, feel free to stop the medicine for three weeks and then report back. And if it's better, then we change the medicine or change the dose. And if it's not, you go back to what you're doing. So the other side effect that statins give people is it can irritate your liver. These medicines, like so many medications, are metabolized by the liver and in the liver. And so they can cause liver irritation or liver inflammation. And if you've ever had blood work done, you might have had elevated liver function tests. Uh, it's one of the most common abnormalities we see. And in the vast majority of cases, it's not a big deal. It's not anything that, that stops people from having to take them. And there are a multitude of things that can cause them, but statin certainly is one of them. So if you have elevated liver tests, you're probably going to be told to stop the medicine and repeat the tests. And worst case, you can change the medicine or you can change the dose of the medicine. And really, as far as side effects with statins go, that's really the first thing to do is to identify for sure that it's causing the problem. And if it is, see if there's another dose or another medication that you can take without having the problem because you wouldn't be taking this medicine at all if it wasn't something that would be benefit you. So we want you to take it if you can, yet we understand that some people just cannot. Now, I get asked weekly by patients to give them a year's supply of their Lipitor. And I'll tell you right now that some doctors will do that, uh, but I am not one that will do that, and the reason is very simple. If I write a prescription for Lipitor for my friend John Ray over here today. No HIPAA violation there, John. I have no idea if you have high cholesterol or not. It really doesn't matter. A little bit, but I don't mind everybody knowing that. Okay. So if you give, if you give somebody a prescription for Lipitor today and it starts irritating their liver tomorrow and you gave them a year's prescription for it, not a subscription, but a prescription. It's not a magazine. It's a drug. 
So if you give them a year's prescription for it, then when they check their blood work in a year, they could have a massive problem. Now, I know most doctors are not going to give you a year's worth right out of the chute. They're going to give you a, a dose and tell you to come back in three months and have your blood work checked. But at any point, I don't care if you've taken it 20 years, if you get a year's supply, it could start irritating your liver tomorrow. And when you come back in a year, you could have a problem. So my usual routine is you start the medication, you bring people back in three months. If things are good, you give them six months' worth of medicine. You see them twice a year. Now, in the same age range, they, age range, they need a physical once a year. So you can do a recheck, and six months later, a physical, at which time you check the blood work again, and then a recheck six months later. So they're really only in the office twice a year for this kind of thing. I want to take a second and tell everybody that this episode of Two Year Health is brought to you by Mara Family Medicine. At Mara Family Medicine, we use technology and old-fashioned attitudes to do our best to make you feel better every day. One of our main objectives is to see you when you need us. So feel free to come in for the walk-in hour any weekday between 7.30 and 8.30 in either the Cumming, Georgia, or Milton, Georgia location. At Mara Family Medicine, we are bringing care back to health care. So another thing I wanted to talk about, about statins, which is one of the, some of the things you'll see online when you go read about them, because I know you're going to, is the myths about statins. Well, a lot of the side effects are probably included in these myths, but I sorted out three different things that you hear patients talk about that I wanted to mention today. The first one is that taking statin drugs leads to diabetes out of the blue. Well, the truth is that in clinical trials, statins did appear to accelerate a diagnosis of adult-onset diabetes because they cause a slight elevation in blood sugar. However, people that ended up diabetic after starting statins were, in almost every case, already carrying a blood sugar that was higher than normal. They were what's called pre-diabetic. Now, as an aside, I am not a fan of the term pre-diabetes because, in my opinion, you either are or you aren't. Diabetes is much like pregnancy. You either are or you aren't. If your fasting blood sugar is 126 or higher, you're a diabetic. If it's 125, you're not. Do you need to be careful? Sure. But we all need to be careful because there's not any one of us that couldn't someday easily become diabetic. So these people already were carrying a high blood sugar or a borderline sugar, and this mild increase in sugar from the statins could throw them over into a diabetic range. But the studies have all shown that statins do not induce diabetes in someone who's not already nearing that same diagnosis. It just doesn't happen. Plus, when you look at the benefits of reducing cardiac events in someone who has prediabetes or is a diabetic already, they greatly outweigh the mild increase that might occur in the blood sugar. So if you're not prone to diabetes, statins are not going to make you diabetic. And that's an important thing for people to understand. Myth number two, statins frequently cause memory loss. I do get asked about this, I think, every week. And the fact is that in 2012, the FDA changed the labeling on statin drugs to include information that some people had experienced memory loss and confusion while they were taking these medicines. Unfortunately, that change in label was based on some very poor quality studies and some very poor evidence. And people quickly became seriously concerned that lower cholesterol levels could affect the brain's function. 
But the fact is that the brain makes its own cholesterol. It doesn't depend on the cholesterol in the blood. It's two completely separate things. And the most rigorous, the better studies, the ones that have been including larger numbers of people and so forth, show that statins do not cause memory loss. And if anything, again, the long-term effects of statins might be beneficial to the brain because they simply help prevent strokes and protect the health of the very arteries that lead blood to the brain. So there's no reason to be worried about memory loss if you're taking statins. The third myth is you could get cataracts from taking statin drugs. And again, the truth is that some studies have indicated there could be a relationship between statins and the increased risk for developing cataracts. Like so very many things that come out in the lay literature and in the news, these studies were conducted in less than rigorous uh, settings. They did not have large numbers of patients involved, and some were even conducted in animals and not humans. The best evidence we have comes from high-quality clinical trials in humans that show that statin drugs do not increase the risk of cataracts. And in fact, some studies have even been done looking at people's eyes along the time that they're in the trials, and they've not been able to show at all that there's any increase in cataracts from taking statins. So what is the truth about statins? Well, the truths about statins are that they're safe. They're safe for the majority of people. Now, everybody that takes them has to take into account, or their provider has to take into account, other medicines that they take, other diagnoses they may have, and so forth. But we're talking about somebody that doesn't have a lot of other issues, doesn't have other liver problems, and so forth, hadn't had an allergic reaction to statins and that kind of thing. Statins are safe for people to take to help prevent heart and, and uh, brain disease, vascular disease in general. And again, like I said, this is the number one cause of death in Americans. The other truth is statins save lives. They absolutely save lives. And I'm going to take a second and tell you a personal story. When I turned 50, I was having some chest pain, just like a little elephant sitting on my chest. You know how they say. And I had a stress test. All good. Nuclear stress test. All good. I felt real good about it. Went on my fishing trip with my buddies down to Lake Eufaula, and sitting on the lake, I started having chest pain. And I called my cardiologist from the lake because the fish weren't biting. And I said, I'm having chest pain sitting out here on this lake. And he said, where are you? I said, Alabama. He said, we'll cath you Monday morning. I said, all right. He said, go get some aspirin and start taking a beta blocker. And that's a medicine to keep your heart from having to work too hard. So I do all these things on my fishing trip, where, by the way, I caught the big fish, six pounds, six ounces. Thank you very much. So I go do that, and on Monday morning, I'm at St. Joe's, and he does a heart cath. And he comes out afterwards, and he says to me, I mentioned earlier how much I love fried chicken and so forth. Anybody that knows me knows that's true. He said, you know, your arteries are wide open. Everything's 100% normal. There's not a problem anywhere. And guys your age, 50, that don't have heart disease rarely develop it. Well, I thought, well, that's incredible. That's just the best news of the day. So I don't have to worry about my diet, weight, exercise, blood pressure, cholesterol. Other things, he goes, I'm immortal now. I'm not going to develop heart disease. So for the next seven years, that's the way I acted. 
and seven years later, I had a little chest pain, you know, like a little elephant sitting on your chest. And I saw my doctor, a different cardiologist now, and he did a treadmill test, and the treadmill was normal. The EKG was fine. But while I was on the treadmill, I had a little bit of chest pain, and he says to me what I already knew, which is you need a heart cath. I said, I know. So the next morning, he did a heart cath. And what was normal seven years earlier was now two 95% blockages. They put in a couple of stents, went on about my business. So now, instead of being 230 cholesterol, my cholesterol is around 160. And I do extremely well. And I still love my fried chicken, but I don't get it as often as I'd like to. Another truth about statins is that they're affordable. These medicines, uh, most of them came out quite some time ago. So there's a long list of generic statins out there that you can get at very affordable prices. So don't let money get in the way of you taking medicine for your cholesterol. And like I said earlier, if you do get side effects, there's a good chance that you can tolerate a different statin or a different dose of a statin. So it's always important to try that before you give up completely. Now, if all else fails and you're in a high-risk group due to your cholesterol, there are alternatives. There's red yeast rice, and you'll hear about that and read about that a lot online. And I've had some patients that had some results with that, but honestly, they're less effective. They contain a statin-like chemical in them, but they're just not all that effective, and they can still cause the same side effect. Fish oil and krill oil and so forth can have some effect. Uh, their effect might be greater on other things, but it can have some, fo- some effect on cholesterol. And then there's the ever-popular diet and exercise. Now, anybody with high cholesterol should be doing their best to eat well, to avoid things that are known to be high in cholesterol, and they should be getting as much exercise as they can get. But I'll tell you, these lifestyle changes, as I mentioned, the toughest things you'll ever be asked to do. So here's an interesting point. If you take statins and they do what we want them to do, you'll never know it. You'll never know it. It's one of the mysteries of medicine. It's like taking aspirin to prevent heart attacks. If it works, you'll never know it. Statins are the same way. People who have benefited from statins are not sitting at their home computer posting online about side effects that in most cases are not even related to the statin therapy. So be careful how you use Google and other search engines for medications, especially for statins. The millions and millions and millions of people who take them and tolerate them and lower their cholesterol dramatically are out enjoying their life. They are not sitting at home posting on the Internet about their experience. So basically what I tell patients is this. You can take cholesterol medicine or you can wait and you can take heart attack medicine. But the ironic thing is they're the same medicine. So, John, you said you had questions from last week's episode about ED. Can we hear those? Absolutely. So we had one of our listeners wants to know, can I take these meds even if I don't have ED but just want to improve my sexual performance? That's a, that's a great question, and that's a common question. Sure. I mean, I'd, I'd be willing to say that at least 20 25% of people who I write – uh, ED medicines for are 
really not suffering severely from ED, but they heard from a buddy that they would do better in the bedroom if they took medicines for ED. And barring any reason not to write them, I don't have a problem writing them. Um, in the old days, the old days being before December of 2017, when Viagra and Cialis went generic, before that the medicines were about $55 a pill. And so you really had to make a decision if you really wanted to improve $55 worth. Um, but for, for a lot of people, that was an easy question. Sure. Uh, so, yes, I'll write it, and most people, I think, would write it for someone who just wanted to do better. I don't think that's a problem. Okay. So here's a, a related question. Um, probably the same guy <laughs> came in with this one. Why do I need a prescription for ED meds? Why aren't these meds available over the counter? They want them, but they don't want to come see you. There's truth in that. Well, the reason for that is because these medicines can kill you. ED medicines, as I mentioned in the episode, in certain circumstances combined with certain medications can have a bad effect. So if you have medicines at home for a heart disease like nitroglycerin, you shouldn't have these ED medicines even in the house. So uh, you're not going to find a time when this medicine is available over the counter. It's not like Claritin and Allegra and Prilosec and Nexium that you can combine with darn near anything and you're really not going to hurt yourself and you can take more than the recommended amount and you're really not going to hurt yourself and that kind of thing. Uh, that's just not true with these medicines. And a lot of people, most people I'm willing to say, most men that we're talking about certainly feel like more is better. Sure. And if less is good, more is great. And there's a limit to that. So I don't think you're ever going to find a time when the FDA lets these be over the counter. I'd be very surprised by that. That's kind of a male thing, isn't it? More is better. Very much so. Yeah. Go big or go home. <laughs> right. For sure. So uh, these questions have been great. Here, here we are. We're on episode two, and we've already got questions about episode one on ED. You want to tell everybody how they can send their questions in? I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, so we set up a, a Twitter account for To Your Health. That's probably the easiest way to get questions to us, and the Twitter account is at TouYourHealthMD. Don't forget the MD. There's about 10 million to your healths. So at TouYourHealthMD, we'll get it straight to us, and we appreciate that. We also have the website set up, TouYourHealth.MD, a little bit of a different extension on the end there, .MD, and you can send email to Jim, drjim, at TouYourHealth.MD. That's another way to do it. Uh, we have the website I mentioned and also the Mar Family Medicine uh, website. Uh, we'll have a link to the radio show. Our Facebook page has a link to the radio show. To Your Health has a Facebook page. Um, it's it's going to be hard not to find it if you go looking, I do believe. For sure. And l as of last week, the podcasts are now available on iTunes, uh, Podbean, and just about any place you go looking for your podcasts. So hopefully you won't have any trouble finding us. And if you do, just send us a tweet or an email, and we'll try to help you out. Absolutely. So next week, we're going to talk about vaping, what we don't know, which could easily fill up longer than a half an hour, things we don't know about vaping. If you think about vaping right now, think about tobacco in the 1950s. Your doctors were telling patients, you know, you really ought to start smoking. It's good for your stress. So next week, vaping, 
what we don't know. And for now, that is to your health. 